0: Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! I am the voice of the voiceless. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's going to be the end of the world as you know it. Welcome back, folks, to Wrestle Rant Radio for June 3rd, 2014. I'm your host, Graham Giason Matthews, here today with a lot to talk about from WWE Payback on Sunday night. A shocking turn of events at the end of last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. NXT TakeOver from last week, I have not forgotten about that. And there's some stuff as well, so I will be talking about that over the course of today's show. Those are the list of today's topics. But um, before we even get into all of that, first of all, I'd like to thank everyone who wished me happy birthday this past week. Really do appreciate it. And also the places where you can find me, you can find me on Twitter at WrestleRant. Um, on YouTube at Graham, Jesus, and Matthews. Bleacher Report, same thing. And Facebook, same thing. So make sure to check me out at all those places. New episodes of WrestleRant Radio go up every single Tuesday right here at Um Breaking down WWE, TNA, ROH. And speaking of such, since a lot of stuff happened uh, this past week in terms of WWE, I probably will not be talking about uh, TNA or Ring of Honor. In this week's episode, I know I did last week a little bit, but this week's episode will be a little bit different since there's so much going on right now in the WWE with their pay-per-view and Raw and NXT TakeOver from last week. Lots of stuff to talk about, but um, I will say this quickly though. Ring of Honor, I watched their War of the Worlds pay-per-view. I talked about that last week. I gave my review of it. Um, But I did watch their new episode of ROH TV or whatever it's called, their weekly TV show. I found it online somewhere the May 24th episode, not the most recent one that aired this past Saturday, um, the website that I go to to find the shows uploads them a couple days later. So I have yet to watch the latest one, so I might be talking about the episodes here and there as they're uploaded and as soon as they watch them. But I did watch the May 24th episode a couple of days ago. I thought it was pretty good. Um, the, main, the main event saw Outlaw, Inc., which uh, also involves Homicide. I forgot he was in, even in Ring of Honor. Um, former TNA tag team champion with uh, with Hernandez in Mexican, uh, not Mexican America, uh, what was it, uh, LAX, of course. But um, yeah, uh, so Outlaw Inc. taking on Kevin Steen and Cliff Compton in a street fight tag team match. Thought it was a fun tag team match, Cliff Compton, of course, I believe Domino from the WWE, I think it is. Deuce and Domino, get mixed up a lot, but he was a part of that faction in the WWE, you probably already knew that. And Kevin Steen, it's interesting, because I think this was taped a number of weeks ago, but Kevin Steen, as it's been reported, might very well be on his way to the WWE at some point in the near future, maybe as soon as this summer in August, along with Kenta and Prince Devitt. So that could be extremely exciting. Um, I have yet to be exposed to any matches from Prince Devitt or Kenta, but uh, Kevin Steen, like I said in last week's show, I was able to watch his match from the War of the Worlds pay-per-view. I thought it was terrific. His mic skills are great, too. So... For only being exposed to him from in these two matches, from this street fight tag team match to his stuff at War of the Worlds, I, d- I thought it was great. Already a fan of Steam, already my favorite performer in Ring of Honor at the moment, aside from AJ Styles. Um, but I do look forward to, if WWE doesn't sign him, it's not set in stone. I mean, I know the dirt sheets are reporting it, but... Anything the dirt cheats report, you've got to take it with a grain of salt. So, that being said, I do look forward to him and WWE if he indeed does jump ship to the company this summer. But that's ROH. Let's get right down to the WWE. Before we talk about Payback or Raw, I want to give my brief thoughts on NXT TakeOver from May 29th, 2014. Airing live a two-hour special on the WWE Network. I thought Arrival was awesome. Um, the first ever streaming live in-ring product on the WWE Network days after it launched. We had Sami Zayn versus Cesaro that night, Paige versus Emma for the Women's Championship, for the NXT Women's Championship. And in the main event, we saw Adrian Neville beat Bo Dallas in a ladder match for the NXT Championship. And that was a great show. Really loved it. This show did not receive as much build. The the build for the last show was better um, on NXT. Um, This show got more hype on Raw and stuff. They hyped up the card on the Raw before TakeOver, which was pretty cool. And um, But I thought, overall, this show was better than Arrival. Um, there were, the matches between both events are very debatable in terms of what was better and what was not, but I thought this show had better matches. From the last show, we had those three very, very good matches. From this show, almost everything on this show was awesome. The women's match, the main event, between Tyson Kidd and Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn versus Tyler Breeze was excellent. Even the opening match between Adam Rose and Camacho I thought was fine. So... Overall, I thought the show was better than arrival, but i 'm going to be breaking that down for you right here right now, um, like I said in the opening match, we had Adam Rose versus Camacho um, didn 't really care for this feud all that much when it was being built up in the last number of weeks i don 't I love Adam Rose and I have since day one. I was also a fan of Leo Kruger when he still had that gimmick, but Camacho does nothing for me at all, um, so this feud i haven 't cared gavin care, couldn 't care less for um, thankfully it 's over I, I, at least I hope so. But um, couldn't have cared less about this feud. Thankfully, it's over. The matchup was actually pretty fun. Better than their matchup from uh, last week's episode of NXT. Maybe it was the live atmosphere of the crowd. Maybe it was the fact that it kicked off the show. Maybe it's the fact that Adam Rose is just over like crazy down in the NXT, um, in the NXT arena in Full Sail University. They love Adam Rose. And he's slowly getting over in the main roster, too. So kudos to him for that. Still a big uh, Adam Rose fan, a Rosebud. But, um, yeah, I thought this was a nice opening matchup. Adam Rose, of course, went over. It would have been embarrassing for him to lose since he's a part of the main roster. And Camacho, I guess, is technically too, but he's not on the main roster as of now since his whole team with Hunico broke up. And he's not bad. Camacho is just very bland, in my opinion. He's got the stereotypical entrance music that he had when he was teaming with Hunico. Um, His in-ring skills are good. I haven't really heard much from him on the mic to really determine how good he is on the stick, but um his character, he doesn't really have much of a character. Heel face doesn't matter. I couldn't care less for him. I didn't even care for his tag team with Hunakor, but at least at least that added to the tag team division, which is floundering right now. So that said though, I thought this is a nice opening matchup. Um up next we had the Ascension successfully defending their NXT Tag Team Championships against the duo with Callisto and El Local. Um personally I was looking forward to this matchup. Callisto and El Local had a very impressive debut match a number of weeks ago in NXT. Big fan of uh, Kalisto. I think he could. And I mean, I said this on NXT. I said this on Twitter during NXT TakeOver last week. And I think some people misunderstood me. But I said that Kalisto could be the next Rey Mysterio. And I know that you're not going to be the next Shawn Michaels or the next CM Punk or whatever. No one's going to be the next anyone else. They're going to be the first somebody. He's going to be the first Kalisto. But what I mean by that is that he might be able to take the spot of Rey Mysterio and being the top luchador masked wrestler in WWE. Rey Mysterio is on his way out. He's been injured God knows how many times in the last few years. He's currently out with, I think, a hand injury or something. Sincaro is a flop. Right now we have Hunico uh, under the mask, but he's not doing anything for the character either. <clears throat> doing anything for the character either. So he might as well just scrap the gimmick and go back to just being Hunico and start tagging back up with Camacho. At least that's why I would do it. <clears throat> and then Alberto Del Rio was a flop too. I mean, he was a, a success in the start, but they turned him babyface. That didn't work out. And he's doing next to nothing right now. So, Kalisto, I think, could be the next top luchador in WWE if they booked him correctly. But I do like the idea to pair him with El Local right now, a.k.a. Ricardo Rodriguez, um, formerly the manor, or manager or announcer, I should, spe- uh, sh- should say, for Alberto Del Real before they broke up last year. So this matchup, I thought it was mediocre at best. The problem with it was, not so much the action. I mean, I know there were some botches here and there from El Ocal specifically, but... Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a one night off. I mean, he had a few good showings in the past in NXT, so it's not he's not a bad worker or anything. I think I do like Ricardo better in the ring. I mean, he was a nice, fun spoil character for Del Rio when they were together for as long as they were. But um, he was. I mean, I think he's a Spanish commentator now, but uh, he's better under the mask when he's under the El Alcal gimmick. I think it's pretty cool. <clears throat> but uh, the match with Ascension wasn't all that great. It was pretty mediocre at best. Like I said though, the one issue with it is the fact that the NXT crowds love the Ascension so much is that they treated them like the baby faces in this matchup, and then when El Lalkal got the hot tag for the comeback at the end of the matchup, they couldn't care. They, they didn't. They couldn't have cared less. They were, I think, booing during uh, during the comeback of El Lalkal during the end of the matchup. So that was a bit of a disappointment, but the match overall wasn't terrible. It just was kind of mediocre, I would say. That's the best way I would describe it. And I guess another way to describe it would be that it paled in comparison to the other matches on this show. So uh, otherwise, it would have been a fine tag match, but it wasn't all that great. There were some botches here and there. The Ascension, I would—I liked the Ascension, but I would have had them drop the straps here, if only because there's no other teams in NXT right now. We had the debut of that team, Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan, a number of weeks ago, but we haven't seen them since. I don't know what happened to those guys. Um, they were—they were, they were going to be a nice, fun tag team from what I saw, from what I. Um, got out of that, but they haven't been seen in a long time, so I don't know what happened to them. So, Kalisto and Law Call, I would have put the titles on them. Maybe they will get them back at some point, I'm not really sure. Maybe they have a rematch as feud continues, but the Ascension, I think, would be good on the main roster. I mean, right now we need more tag teams, not only down in NXT, but on the main roster as well. So, um, I would love to see the Ascension on the main roster, maybe feeding with the Usos over the tag team titles. I think we're going to be getting the Wyatt family and the title contention right now. But uh, at some point, I think it would be pretty cool to see the ascension on the main roster. But um, those are my thoughts on that matchup. Up next, we had Tyler Breeze versus Sami Zayn in a match to crown the new number one contender for the NXT Championship. Great, 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 great matchup between these two. Tyler Breeze has been a guilty pleasure of mine since his debut on NXT. I think last summer, um, he came onto the roster shortly after I started to get back into NXT. Because I started to watch NXT in in June of twenty, or I've been watching NXT since the start, but um, and I did watch the first few months of when it was revamped and started to film down in the Full Sail University Arena down in Florida, but um, I had to stop watching; I couldn't keep up with it during my senior year of high school. So I started to get back into it after I graduated last year, and I've been watching it ever since because it's so freaking great. But um, yeah, I thought this was a tremendous matchup, and like I said, I've been following Tyler Breeze since the start as his days as Tyler Breeze. Not Mike Dalton or whatever his gimmick was before this, but um, he's got the look, he plays the part, he's devoted to the character, and he's a great in-ring wrestler, but in all the squash matches he's been in over the last year or so, he really hasn't been able to show that he's a great wrestler, and he was able to do that in this matchup with Sami Zayn, and take nothing away from Sami Zayn, he's always awesome, so I don't mean to... Underestimate him or anything like that It's just that he's always awesome to the point Where it's just kind of a no brainer You just kind of expect it And this is nothing short of a great match from these two Had a very nice showing Um, Tyler Breeze emerged victorious In clean fashion by the way too To become the new number one contender to the NXT title And him versus Adrian Neville should be a great feud Um, They've had a very uh, They've had a nice series of matches in the past so I expect nothing less of a very entertaining rivalry between those two at some point down the line over the NXT Championship. Um, Tyler Breeze, I think, could be NXT Champion. Maybe not right now, but at some point down the line. But I'm looking forward to it, though. It should be pretty good. But yeah, great match from those two. Alexander Rusev just attacking Mojo Raleigh. Really nothing to know of this segment, just... Um, one observation though when Mojo Raleigh interrupted Alexander Rusev and Lana in the middle of the ring when he came down he's got the new theme music now the the titantron with all the flashy colors and the way that he ran down to the ring the comparison has been made in the past but he reminds me so freaking much of the ultimate warrior I'm not saying he's the next ultimate warrior like I said he's going to be the first Mojo Raleigh. and his in ring skills leave something to be desired, he has improved but he still has a lot of work to do and his character he needs some work too. I like the whole. I don't get hyped. I stay hyped. I like that gimmick. But um, and he is over with the audience. But he does have some work to do. But that being said, though, it was just so. It was such uh, such a huge resemblance between him and the Ultimate Warrior. Not like not in general, but specifically this segment. I thought it was just the, the similarities between the two in this segment were just simply uncanny. Between the colors and the way you ran down in the ring, the energy and everything was crazy. But um, even still up next, we had Charlotte versus Natalia for the in the finals of the vacant NXT Women's Championship Tournament. Charlotte, I think I said this in last week's show, um, but Charlotte, since her debut, I think she came in around the same time as Tyler Breeze last August, but she also had some work to do too. She hasn't been all that great in the ring from her matches in the past with Emma and even Natalia in the past. That matchup wasn't great. Um, a number of weeks ago when they had it, but so I wasn't really expecting this matchup to be anything great. I was expecting it to be a good matchup, but it ended up being a fantastic bout and one of the best women's championship matches or best women's matches, women's wrestling bouts in WWE or just in wrestling in general in a very very long time. Definitely in the, of the year, um, definitely up there with the best matches of the last year with Caitlyn versus AJ, Paige versus Emma, and the. What was the other matchup? I could have sworn there was another great matchup we just recently got from the ladies this past year. Oh, Natalia versus AJ. It was on an episode of Main Event not too long ago. But um, yeah, this was a terrific matchup. Charlotte showed a tremendous amount of improvement in this contest. Natalia carried her to a very good contest, but she didn't completely carry her. Like I said before, Charlotte has very come a long way since her debut in NXT late last year. And um, showed a tremendous amount of heart, The great emotion, the story of this matchup with Bret Hart and Ric Flair being at ringside. It added a lot to the contest, but it didn't take away from it at all. Um, definitely not. I think they, they definitely served their purpose of being there, but not overshadowing the action in the ring. The great, the, the final few minutes were very, very good to the point where I actually thought that Natalya might was going to win. There was a chance of Natalya possibly winning the championship, um, when she put Charlotte in the sharpshooter like three or four times, and Charlotte got out of it each and every single time, she gets the one-two-three, becomes a new NXT Women's Championship champion, I should say. Breaks down in tears, as does Natalya, as does Ric Flair, Bret Hart just kind of standing there awkwardly, which is pretty funny. But um, a great moment. Thankfully, they drawn it. They they drew it out. They dragged it out a little bit, not to the point where it was tiresome or it's like okay, hurry up, let's get over, let's get this thing over with. To the point where it actually. Gave a fans, uh, gave it a moment to sink in. That's an issue that TNA has right now with their production and whatever, because they skip from one match to the next frickin' match. I mean, they tape all their shit, and this was live, so it's different. But TNA, as soon as a match ends, or as soon as a big moment happens, they either go off the air or skip right into the next segment or something. They don't give it a chance to sink in. That's exactly what WWE did here with Charlotte and NXT, or I should say they did the exact opposite of what TNA has been doing or has been known to do. But, um, yeah, great matchup, great moment. Congrats to Charlotte on becoming the next new NXT Women's Champion. And um, I look forward to seeing what happens with her in the future. I mean, like I said, she cried. She embraced Natalia. I wouldn't really take it as a face turn. I know she acted as a fan favorite or a face on the post show as well, which I didn't watch. I just, from what I've heard, she acted like a face. But um, I don't know if the decision is to turn her back face But, um, because she only turned heel a couple of months ago, and I like her better as a heel, to be quite honest with you. But, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with her and Sasha Banks, the BFFs, because Summer Rae hasn't been seen down in NXT for months. She's been on the main roster. She's been filming the Marine Four, doing Total Divas. So she's not on NXT anymore as a regular. But, um, that being said, though, they might break up her and Sasha. I initially thought Sasha would be the babyface, but now I'm not so sure. But, yeah, so based off from what I'm saying, you can pretty much tell that I'm intrigued by the women's division right now in NXT for the first time in a long time. So I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to what they do with that. Um, and, of course, in the main event, we had Adrian Neville taking on Tyson Kidd for the NXT Championship, another great matchup between these two. Tyson Kidd's always been a very good worker. He's been largely marginalized by the WWE since his debut, basically, and has really shown here that he should not be underestimated. Adrian Neville's always great, too, much like Sami Zayn. It's a no-brainer that he's going to have a great matchup, so that wasn't much of a shocker developed develop some very good chemistry between the two over the course of the contest. Adrian Neville picks up the one two three following a um a crowd pleasing red arrow. Still your NXT champion. So a very good matchup from these two, thoroughly enjoyed it. Tyson Kidd after the contest refused to shake the hand of Adrian Neville, um shoulder bumped him and continued to walk out of the arena. So it looks like Tyson Kidd might be on the verge of a heel turn. I didn't watch the pre-show, but I did watch it when WWE uploaded the clip to their YouTube channel a couple of days later. Of the interview between Michael Cole and Natalia and Tyson Kidd. And Michael Cole was basically talking about to Tyson about how he came off bad on Total Divas. And I am an avid, avid viewer of Total Divas, um, I will admit. So I can, uh, I, I, I could believe that. But um, so maybe it looks like they are setting up for a Tyson heel turn, which I'm fine with. He was a great heel. I liked him best as a heel, actually, when he was a heel from. 2010 to 2012 after he broke away from the Hart Dynasty. face healed. heel. is not going to do anything with him regardless. But I also thought he was a nice babyface in the sense that uh, he can make a good underdog. But NXT is in need of some top heels right now with Alexander Rusev being moved up. We've got uh, Bo Dallas now on the main roster. So NXT needs more top heels. We've got Tyler Breeze, but we've also got down there, we've got Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville, and many others as well. So we need more... Top heels on the NXT roster, and I think Tyson Kidd can fill that role. Um, there was also a rumor going around as to whether Tyson Kidd might be masked at some point, because I guess WWE feels that they've gone as far as they, they've done as much as they could with the Tyson Kidd character, and that they haven't done anything with him for so long that if WWE attempts to rebrand him, that people still won't care. And it's funny because as I say this, this is just coming to mind now. Um, Didn't they try the same exact thing with Curtis Axel, a.k.a. Michael McGillicuddy? I mean, when they rebranded him, I know he changed his name, and they gave him Paul Heyman as a manager, but his look was no different than what it was as Michael McGillicuddy. He really did not change much. He had the same finisher. He had the same look. He hasn't if you take a picture of him from 2010 when he debuted in WWE to now 4 years later he hasn't changed at all. He looks exactly the same. So maybe that was a part of the issue and why he ended up flopping as a Paul Heyman guy because they didn't repackage him correctly. And maybe that the the fact as to whether he was the right choice for being the Paul Heyman guy is a whole different discussion. and I'm just going off on a tangent here. But with Tyson Kidd I think I I don't think putting him under a mask is I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but I still think they can get something out of the Tyson Cade character. Because if you can recall, about two years ago, they tried pushing him as a mid-card guy um, when he was in the Money in the Bank ladder match for the SmackDown briefcase in 2012. And he got a very nice push that summer. He got a very nice showing in that match, but he, of course, wasn't going to win. That was pretty obvious. But he got a nice push. He got some wins over, Ty- uh, over Tensai and a number of others that year. He had some very good matches over on Raw and SmackDown. And then they just stopped using him, which was a joke. So I guess they really just wanted to push him for that pay-per-view, and that was it. But um, for some high spots in that Money in the Bank ladder match. But I still think there's a chance that they can push Tyson Kidd as Tyson Kidd. I don't think they need to put him under a mask. Like I said, Kalisto, I think, can be the next big luchador, and they really don't need another masked guy in the next year in WWE or whatever else. I think they can keep the Tyson Kidd character. But, and I have suggested this numerous times in the past, but if they do put him under a mask, why not just call him the Calgary Kid? I know the WWE tried it a number of years ago with The Miz. They didn't really try it. I know it was just a one-night thing. No one remembers it anyway. I know some people might remember it like myself. But um, aside from that, it was a one-off thing. It was for one night only. A lot of people wouldn't even remember. Like, hey, they revealed it to be The Miz. Why is it coming back? That wouldn't happen. Like 5% of the viewers if even that would remember that one-off thing. But The Miz dressed up as the Calgary Kid um, for that one match against Eugene in August of 2009 when he had been quote-unquote fired from the WWE. He won a contract on a pole match and unveiled himself to be The Miz, so he got the contract and whatever else. But, um, so yeah, Tyson Kidd, I mean, first of all, Calgary Kid, Tyson Kidd, just put the two Ds in the end of the Kid for the Calgary Kid, and I think it works perfectly. I think it was a television character... In Canada, that's where they got the inspiration from. So I don't even know if they have the rights to it, to be quite honest with you. But um, I love that Tyson Kid, the Calgary th- Kid thing when the Miz did. And I think Tyson Kid can make them, his most of it as well. He can make it his own. Um, he played a masked guy, I think, in late last year against Los Matadores um, on the main roster when they wrestled a few times. But um, and then that didn't really st- that didn't really stick because he ended up coming back as Tyson Kid for like two appearances and that was it. But, um, even still though, I think if they were to rebrand him as a masked wrestler, and I, like I said, I don't think they should, but if they do, just call him the Calgary kid. I think it'd be a very good gimmick. Put him under the mask. He is from Calgary anyway, so I think it works perfectly. He doesn't, he can acknowledge that he's, like, that he's Tyson kid, like Jeff Hardy and Willow and TNA. That's a bad example because Willow is garbage. But, um, just saying, so that's just one, a, a one-off idea for Tyson kid if they do indeed plan to repackage him. So that was that, and overall, I love this show. I love NXT Takeover, a very exciting show. Um, the matches from top to bottom were great. The only real nitpicking gripe that I had with this show was the tag team title match, but that wasn't bad enough to the point where it was offensive or you know it was terrible. But um, every it was it was decent, but it just paled in comparison to everything else in the show. But um, yeah, if you don't own the WWE network, you're a fool. I mean, if you can't pay for it, you can't. Uh, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. But I mean. If you have the money and you're just not paying for it, then you're a fool because it's the greatest thing known to wrestling fans in a long, 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 long time, and you should own it. So this is a great show overall, so if you own the network, go back and watch this. A great show, and um, yeah, I really loved it, and I look forward to what NXT continues to do going forward in their you know future storylines and whatever else. But it's funny, though, because the WWE, there was a report going around after this show that WWE didn't want their payback pay-per-view to be... Uh, worse than NXT TakeOver, showing that their Bush League and that their developmental territory ended up outshining their actual pay-per-view. And it's just sad enough to the point where WWE has no competition in Ring of Honor or TNA or any other company right now that they feel their only competition is themselves, which is good. So if WWE feels that NXT is a competitor to their main roster, then that will make them determine that will push them to put on a better product. So I think it's a good thing, to be honest with you. But um, that being said, I mentioned payback. Let's get right into the review of that. WWE Payback preven- presented from the All-State Arena in Chicago this past Sunday, June 1st, 2014. On the pre-show, we did a mask versus hair match between El Torito and Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle ended up coming up short, had his head... Sh- um, no pun intended. Um, ended up getting his head shaved, and El Torito emerged victorious. So the matchup, of course, no one expected it to be. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be another masterpiece or it would be a piece of trash. Because we learned with their first matchup at Extreme Rules, the WLC match, that you shouldn't underestimate the little people. And like Again, like I said before, no pun intended with the underestimate uh, term there. But um, I thought it was a good match. I thought it was decent for what it was. It was fun while it lasted. The interference... Um, the spots from other members of 3MB and Los Matadores at ringside were good, they involved themselves well, they played their parts well, it was a fine enough match, if you can't really complain, El Torito predictably went over, um, it would have made no sense to unmask him, since that's a whole part of the Los Matadores gimmick, and without the bull, they're nothing, they already are nothing, but without the bull, they're complete, they already are a joke too, but, uh, without the bull, they have nothing to build off of, but, um, Anyway, so Hornswoggle ended up revealing a shaved head the next turn on Raw, and it wasn't even completely shaved, so it was weird. Um, It looked really odd, but um, hopefully they they shave it completely at some point soon. But um, yeah, the WLC match was so good to the point where it was going to be extremely difficult to top it. They tried their best, that's all you can really say, so kudos to them for having a fine matchup. All I really want is for this feud to end. It's been going going on for so goddamn long. And just not the feud between Hornswoggle and Torito, which has been going on for a few months now, but just in general, the feud between Los Matadores and 3MB. I mean, they have nothing else for these guys to do, so they're going to continue to put them against one another. But it's just gotten to the point where it's just hard to watch, to be quite honest with you. And I rarely ever skip through anything, but I had the temptation to skip through... The Los Matadores 3MB matchup on Raw last night. And I watched it on DVR, so that's why I say that. But uh, I was very tempted to. And why I didn't, because I have to review the show, so I had to watch it. But um, yeah, so that's that. Um, on the main card, kicking off the show, we had Sheamus versus Cesaro for the United States Championship. A great match, as expected. They've had some very good gem of matches in the past. This matchup was no exception. So great work from both Sheamus and Cesaro. A lot of people, I guess, were expecting a double countout or some sort of shitty finish where we don't get a winner because they want to protect both guys right now. I never personally saw it that way. I just figured Sheamus would go over because he only won the title a month ago. I didn't really think that Sheamus would... Or, or Cesaro would get himself disqualified or whatever, because we had a double count-out between these two a couple weeks ago on a main event, so I, see, I saw no reason as to why they would do it again. But um, they, did, they did book this very well, because first of all, they were perfect in the opening slot of the show, because it kicked off the show on a very high note. The action was great, the crowd was invested in it all. It was great stuff. Two, Cesaro, who had a very great showing here, as did Sheamus, of course, but he looked strong in defeat. And that Sheamus had to utilize a small package in order to pick up the victory, um, which is something you don't ordinarily see from Sheamus. For them to go out of their way to do that instead of having him lose via the bro kick, it was a very smart move because it makes Cesaro look strong in defeat. Like I said before, it protects him and it keeps the feud alive. So I love that finish. I love the matchup, Sheamus Cesaro. I I, I wouldn't mind to see him as United States champion. Um, It would be pretty cool at some point down the line. I'd rather see him as Intercontinental Champion, because he's already held the U.S. Championship. And there's nothing wrong with holding it again, but I'd rather see him with a title he hasn't won before. That's not like they mean anything anyway. I mean, they've been built back up nicely, but um, there's no real difference between the two championships. But even still, um, Cesaro as U.S. Champion, I wouldn't mind seeing down the line. Like I said, Sheamus just won the title a month ago, so there's real no reason to take the title off him this quickly. So I was fine with him winning. I'm fine with the feud continuing, but um, I've said this time and time again over the last number of weeks, but Cesaro, I think, if they move out of the feud with Sheamus in the next couple of weeks and moves into a feud with someone like a John Cena, um, I think that could be great for him for the summer. Um, I know there, it's been highly rumored in recent days that Cesaro is the current favorite to win this year's Money in the Bank ladder match, and it's currently up in the air, and I'll get to this in my Raw review, but uh, it's currently up in the air as to whether Daniel, Ro- Daniel Bryan will be able to compete at Payback in the Money in the Bank pay-per-view against either Kane in a Buried Alive match, or not Buried Alive, I'm sorry, the stretcher match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. If he can compete, and if he can't compete, then he will have to vacate the title, and a new champion will be crowned in the Money in the Bank ladder match. So I don't know if Cesaro would win the ladder match for the championship. I have good money on him winning the briefcase, but I don't see him winning the championship. I don't know, it could go either way. I'm not really sure how they will book that, but... uh I look forward to it nevertheless. But um, even still, Cesaro, I could see him winning the Money in the Bank briefcase if they do go that route at Money in the Bank in a couple weeks. And then feuding with Cena for the summer. I think that could be a great feud. We got a a great match out of them a couple months ago, so that was a small preview of what a long, nice feud between the two could bring us if it was to happen at some point this summer. I mean, we've seen enough from Bray Wyatt and John Cena. They had a great feud and a great number of matches or just as... Past one match, their previous two matches were not that great. But um, that's run its course, so it's time for something. Cena, it's time for Cena to move into something new. And if you do Cesaro, I think it'd be great. So that was that. Good opener there. Up next, we had Ry Baxel versus Cody Rhodes and Goldust. Cody Rhodes, once again, playing up the card that he can't win a match. Once again, coming up short here, the best match we've seen from either team in a long time. Cody Rhodes and Goldust had the, consistently had the match of the night in late 2013, earlier this year. And um, and it's not that their matches have deteriorated. It's just merely the fact they haven't been given enough time. Um, they've been overlooked for so long and they've been underutilized for so long that they haven't really been able to show what they're truly capable of. And they had a very good matchup here. They got a good reaction from the Chicago crowd. They came up short against Ray Baxel. And Cody Rhodes, after the matchup, said to Goldust, you need to find another tag team partner and walked off. So I think it was good that they didn't turn heel um, just yet, or, or Cody Rhodes should turn heel. And here is the thing with the Cody Rhodes heel turn. We've talked about this before on the show, but um, I'd be fine with Cody Rhodes staying babyface. To be quite honest with you, I am not saying that he that he uses his motivation to um, stick with his brother and they stay as a team. I'd be fine with that, but I don't want to see it happen. I don't want to see it go down that way. If anything, I would like to see Cody Rhodes continue to lose, and then him say, "The only way I'll be able to prove myself is I face my brother." at SummerSlam. And I know we're in, mid, we're in early June right now, and I don't think they would drag this feud out all the way until SummerSlam. We still have Money in the Bank and then Battleground. So if they're going to have a feud against one another, they're going to probably have a matchup at either one of those shows. But the only reason I say SummerSlam is because Goldust's contract expires after SummerSlam, and it'd be a perfect way to write him off TV before he leaves, and presumably retires for good. So that being said, um, I would love to see Cody Rhodes... Stay face, and then do a face-versus-face match. But I can pretty much guarantee that he will be going heel. Just continue to plant the seeds for that, so good work from those guys. Rusev versus Big E, a pleasantly surprising matchup. Rusev, by far, his best match today. I think that goes without saying. But Big E, I think, in my opinion, is a very underutilized worker. He's very good in the ring. He's explosive. That's that's the term that the commentators have used to describe him countless times in the past. Not so much anymore, because he's never on TV, and he's not being pushed at the moment, but during his, his little stint as Intercontinental Champion, he was being called explosive a number of times, and I think it's a perfect way to describe him um, as a competitor, because he is a very good wrestler. He does have charisma, he just really doesn't have a chance to show that charisma on television. He really isn't giving him the chance to show that. And no, waving a flag around, a United States uh, flag around, is not a great way to show his charisma. It's not charismatic. Um, He needed some mic time, but um, if you look at his Twitter and his Instagram and stuff like that, he's freaking hilarious, and why they don't exploit that on television is beyond me. Why they don't bring his five-count gimmick up to the main roster is beyond me, too. It was so freaking over down in the Full Sail University crowd, that, um, and even a couple of weeks ago when he was on NXT against Bo Dallas, it was so over, and they didn't bring it to the main roster for whatever reason, but anyway... Um, yeah, this matchup was good. It was only four minutes long, but I did enjoy it while it lasted. Rusev, of course, went over, forced Big E to tap out, and I guess that's the end of the feud. They'll probably have a rematch this week on Superstars or something, but um, Big E tapped out. He didn't show up the next night on Raw, so I guess it's over, and I'd like to see more from these two because this was a good matchup, especially that move where Big E speared Rusev to the floor at ringside. I thought that was great. A great explosive maneuver from Big E, but, um, yeah, good work from Rusev. People have been asking me what my thoughts are on Rusev. I'm not heating Rusev. I'm not liking Rusev. If anything, if I had to choose, I'm liking Rusev at the moment. I like the direction they're taking. It's a cheap way to give him heat by associating him with Russia. It's a very old-school way of getting heat. But it's working. It's working. So I will say that much. If he's a good worker, a better worker than his counterpart, Vladimir Kozlov, which I myself and many others have compared him to, ...in the last number of months since he debuted in WWE... ...but I think he is a lot better than Vladimir Kozlov... ...because he's being booked better... ...he's being booked against more credible opponents than Vladimir was... ...I think Kozlov was being booked against local athletes for a while... ...much like Ryback did in the first few uh, months of his stint in WWE back in 2012... ...but the build-up of Rusev has been good... ...the only issue that they can't run in with is with Rusev... ...is to push him too quickly is exactly what they did with Ryback and Sheamus and Del Rio, and look where all of those guys are now. I mean, Sheamus is doing pretty well for himself, but he they pushed him to the top so, so quickly. And, I mean, it made for a great moment at TLC a number of years ago, back at uh in, in 2009, five years ago, that pay-per-view event. Wow, Sheamus is uh WWE champion that happened so quickly. Made for a great moment, sure, but all these years later, he's exhausted a lot of his options. He's already, I think, a four-time or... No, a three-time world champion, two-time WWE champ, one-time world heavyweight champ. And he's already a two-time United States champion. He's done a lot already in the last five years that he's been in the WWE. He won Royal Rumble. He won the King of the Ring tournament in 2010. So he's already done considerably a lot in the WWE for only being here five years, I guess, which is, I guess, kind of a long time by today's standards. But um, anyway, going back to Rusev, they can't push him into a feud with John Cena or... Another top star, Daniel Bryan or whoever else, so quickly. Um, and I, I read a report recently that they were keen on pushing him like Umaga. They were using the framework of Umaga's push back in 06-07 for Rusev's push. And if you can remember with Umaga, he was pushed as a dominant force for a very long, long time, undefeated in singles competition for, I think, about a year and then he lost to John Cena for the WWE title at the Royal Rumble. I think it was... New- he First he lost to him at New Year's Revolution in 07. And then he lost to him at Royal Rumble a number of uh, weeks later later that month. So... And then Umaga was never really the same since. He was a mid-card guy. They never utilized him. I thought he was a great talent. A great heel. Could have been a monster heel. They just didn't do much of them after that. And it's a shame. And then he passed away a couple of years ago. So rest in peace, Umaga. But um, the point of what I'm getting at is that they can't put Ruchet... They can't push him... Too too quickly. He's still getting over. They got a nice thing going with him. Don't ruin with don't ruin it by pushing him to the moon too much too soon for Rusev. That's the that that's what they've got to keep in mind. If they push him into a feud with Cena or even Sheamus, I think it would be too much right now. I don't think he should be in contending for any championships anytime soon. Put him in a substantial feud with someone like a Big E, but they blew that off quickly. Um, I don't know. Whoever else, just put him in a good feud with. Uh, a solid mid-card guy who that is right now. I can't really think of anyone. But, um, yeah, just put him into a good feud and don't push him too, too quickly and he'll be fine. So up next we had Kofi Kingston against Bo Dallas. A matchup added to the card at the last minute. It was established on the pre-show that Kofi Kingston set out a tweet against the authority. So, of course, if you saw the pre-show, you heard about that, then you had to know that Kofi Kingston would be getting... Uh, punished by the authority on this show. When he did, Kane came down, attacked Kingston, Bo Dallas just cut a promo, bashing the Chicago uh, Blackhawks, and then telling them to Bo leave and stuff like that. So Bo Dallas, in terms of Bo Dallas right now, um, I said this last week, but it's kind of changed a little bit. At least they're slowly starting to make him out to be a heel with the bashing of the hometown teams and bashing of the crowds in his promos, it's not direct, but it's there, it's an indirect insult towards the crowd, and his motivational thing, it comes off like it's a babyface thing, people who have watched NXT know that this is being done on purpose, so we get sick of Bo Dallas, but I think he might have been better off being, starting out as a babyface in the main roster, and then doing what they did in NXT, and then slowly turning people against him because he's so annoying. So And he's so obnoxious, and that's not the framework they're using right now that he's on the main roster, because I guess they assume everyone watches NXT and they know what works, and right now it's just not working. He's getting decent enough heat. He got heat from the promo he cut on the Blackhawks on Sunday, but aside from that, though, he really isn't getting a strong, heel enough reaction. He's not getting the reaction that he should, is what I'm saying. And um, maybe that will change over time, but they really just have to find their... Find their uh, Get his stride as the Bo Dallas character. Find his stride. With the heel gimmick, try to find a way to make it heel, but maintain the motivational aspect of it. I'm not really sure. I am a Bo Lever. I'm not a huge fan of Bo Dallas, but I am a Bo Lever. But they do need to turn him heel. Like, they need to make him act like a heel. Do heelish things. That was the issue with Bad News Barrett, with Cesaro. They were still being cheered by the fans, and they still are to this day. But they make people hate them. By doing vindictive things, Wade Barrett attacked RVD a few weeks ago in England, and then he played to the crowd. But you know what I mean. He cheats sometimes in his matches, and that, doing that too much is a bad thing with interference in every single freaking match. It gets old after a while. But if you limit it and you do it in, if you do it in small doses, it's effective, and that's exactly what Cesaro and Bad News Barrett have done, and that's what Bo Dallas needs to be start doing too. So that was that. We had uh, Bad News Barrett, speaking of such, speaking of whom, we had him successfully defending his Intercontinental Championship against RVD in a good matchup, enjoyed this, especially the finishing sequence. I thought these two put on a very strong effort for the IC title. The mid-card has been gradually getting better. I mean, it's only these four guys right now, Sheamus, Cesaro, Bad News Barrett, and RVD. But um, they are doing a good job with both with both mid-card championships. They both had very good showings on this show. The first time the U.S. championship has been defended on a pay-per-view since uh, Hell in a Cell in late October, which is pretty pathetic. But uh, considering who was champion before that, I'm not really surprised because they never really booked Ambrose in any championship matches. But nevertheless, I am liking the mid-card at the moment. I said that last week, and here's hoping WWE can keep it up and continue to make both belts feel relevant again. Also on this show, we had Brie Bella quitting the WWE after Stephanie McMahon offered Daniel Bryan an ultimatum to either quit WWE, or not quit WWE, surrender the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, or his wife Brie Bella would be fired. Brie Bella um, beat her to the punch, quit WWE, then hit her with a slap her across the world, uh, around the world, I should say. A great moment. Brie Bella is not the most over-Diva right now in the Divas Division, A lot of people really, I know she has an association with Daniel Bryan, so some people cheer her for that, but if you can recall a number of months ago when she first turned babyface, she was not getting a great reaction, because she never really had that defining babyface turning moment. Um, Same thing with Nikki Bella, and when she got attacked last night on Raw in that handicap matchup, and I'm kind of skipping between Raw and Payback here, no one cared, because we don't really have an incentive ...to cheer for either woman. Being associated with a top star in John Cena or Daniel Bryan is nice, but you really need to do something to make the crowd get behind you. And, I mean, playing the crowd is good, too, and they do do that during their matches by screaming Bray Mode, which I've always despised. I always found that annoying. And um, Nikki plays the crowd, too, but they need to do something to make the crowd get behind them. And Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon is so great... So amazing in her heel role right now. And taking a shot at CM Punk in Chicago was great, too. I thought that was an awesome moment. I missed it live, but um, I heard about it, and I went back and watched it. I thought it was awesome, and she got great heat for it. But um, she's just so amazing in her heel role right now that anyone that touches her is going to get a big pop. And that's exactly what Brie Bella did. She's not the world's greatest actor. I think that was evident in her backstage segments with Daniel Bryan a couple weeks ago with Keenan, whatever. But um, she did improve. Her acting skills for this segment, I thought it came out very well. It was a good way of delaying the WWE World Heavyweight Championship angle as to whether they would strip Daniel Bryan of the championship or whoever would be fired. I don't know where they go with Brie Bella from here, but you can expect his... Uh, You can expect her husband, Daniel Bryan, and her sister, Nikki Bella, to suffer the consequences in the meantime, which is exactly what happened last night in Raw when Nikki Bella was put in a handicap matchup. So that was that. Good segment there. John Cena against Bray Wyatt in a last-man-standing match. I thought it was a great matchup. Um, These two put a very strong effort forward for this contest. Much, 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 much better. uh, Much, 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 much better. I can't stress that enough. than their WrestleMania and Extreme Rules matches, which I both thought were hot garbage In both guys, they don't have the best in-ring chemistry. Like I said, we saw that at WrestleMania and Extreme Rules, they don't have the best in-ring chemistry. But the feud has been entertaining at times. I have enjoyed it, especially the promos. Bray Wyatt has been looking good throughout the feud. Um, Was I disappointed that Bray Wyatt lost? Sure, a little bit, but it was seen coming from a mile away. From the moment this feud started, you can sense that, okay, Cena's won in the first match, Bray Wyatt the second... Rubber match goes to Cena once again. So I wasn't really disappointed. I wasn't shocked. And it served as a good moment. I mean, the finish was a little lame with John Cena literally burying uh, Bray Wyatt before he, uh, before he picked up the victory. But everything else before that I thought was great. The interference from the Usos and the Wyatt family was also awesome. I was disappointed we didn't get a tag team title match in the show. But it looks like they're saving that for Money in the Bank based off the events from Raw when... Harper and Rowan beat the Usos in another non-title matchup. And it was better to probably incorporate them into this matchup than to have their own contest. So I thought that was great. Great work from all six men involved in this contest, including the Usos and Harper and Rowan, alongside Cena and Wyatt. They did a great job with this contest. I know what's next. I don't know what's next for Johnson. I have pitched this before, and I pitched this earlier on the show. Him and Cesaro would be a good feud for the summer. But I have no idea where they go now with Bray Wyatt. He's supposed to be appearing on SmackDown this Friday. He did not make an appearance on Raw on television last night. He appeared in the Dark Match after the show. After the show went off the air. But he will be appearing on SmackDown this week. What's next for him? I have no idea. But I do look forward nevertheless. And I thought this was the match of the night to be honest with you. The main event was also amazing. But I thought this matchup was slightly better, it had better action. The main event had the better story, but I thought this matchup had the better action. I enjoyed it more. So, great stuff from those two. Paige beating Alicia Fox to retain her Divas Championship. Ho-hum matchup, pretty much what you'd expect from the Divas. They were put in the, the uh, death spot right before, or right after the main event, one of the main events, and then right before another main event matchup. So, that didn't help matters. Paige is over. She's a good champion, and she's been winning a lot, but they need to give her a substantial story and stick with it. That's not what they've been doing at all. They just give her Challenger of the Month with Tamina, Alicia Fox. Now it looks like they're setting up Charlotte, not Charlotte, I'm sorry, uh, Cameron, as the next challenger to the Divas Championship. So we'll have to wait and see and see where that goes. But um, I'm just anticipating the moment that AJ Lee comes back. Hopefully it's the night after Money in the Bank, because um, they will be at that show. I got tickets last night for my birthday at the Raw in Connecticut, so I'm looking forward to that. That would be awesome if I could be there live for that, if AJ returns to feud with Paige. I want to see those two personally clash at... The SummerSlam pay-per-view for the Divas Championship. That would be amazing. But until then, we'll just have to deal with what we're given. And then in the main event, we had The Shield versus Evolution in a no-holds-barred elimination matchup. No eliminations until the very, very, very end of this contest, but everything before it was very, very good. Evolution dominated most of it. A lot of cool spots. Seth Rollins jumping off the, the Titantron, I guess you could call it. Whatever the uh, the set, the top of the set. That was awesome. Roman Reigns also having a good showing, as with Dean Ambrose. Evolution, you got to give him props. Looked ruthless in their attack on Roman Reigns specifically. All members of uh, the Shield, but specifically Roman Reigns. And it's quite evident that they're setting up Triple H versus Roman Reigns for SummerSlam. I think that goes without saying. And that was a great job. They did a great job of uh, foreshadowing that here. But this is a great matchup. All the eliminations... I mean, it came down to 10.50 Eastern time, and I'm thinking, okay, are they going to wrap this thing up, or what are they doing? I mean... You can argue, okay, this is their network, they can go overtime if they want to, but this, if you can recall, the show is also airing on pay-per-view. So anyone that ordered the show on pay-per-view, it's going to get cut off unless they go off the air, so, uh, on time. And um, they did go off the air on time with a few minutes to spare, but I thought it was a great matchup, great finish. The Shield eliminated, in a clean sweep, Evolution, I think Seth Rollins eliminated Batista. Orton took out, uh, or Ambrose took out Orton, and then Reigns took out Triple H, so a great matchup, a great story told, like I said before, Wyatt and Cena had the better matchup in terms of in-ring action, but this matchup had the better story told, a complete opposite from their Extreme Rules matchup, which was completely chaotic, as was this contest, but this matchup definitely told a better story than their last encounter. So overall, I thought this was a very, very good show. Good to great show. Every single match in the show, for the most part, was excellent. All entertaining action. Um, a lot of people have been saying what was better. Payback, takeover. Um, this was the way that I put it. Payback was not a disappointment. I was saying for a lot many days in advance before payback that I was looking forward to the pay-per-view. It lived up to my expectations. It met my expectations. I wouldn't say it exceeded them because it was everything that I thought it would be in it being a very solid Good pay per view with all the right people going over, and kudos to Evolution for for putting the Shield over in a strong fashion. By the way, I forgot to mention that before. But um, if I had to compare the two, Takeover Payback, Payback had the better in ring action. I mean, it was three hours long. Takeover was two, but um, the it, the better in ring action I would have to give to Payback. But at the same time, NXT Takeover was more exciting. The Tyler Breeze Sami Zayn matchup made me pop more than any other card, any other match on the Payback card. The emotional moment with Charlotte winning her first women's championship. So that was more of an exciting night because we don't normally see those type of special events from NXT. So it was something fresh, it was something new. And with payback, it was more of a night of wrestling. So if you're a wrestling fan, you love this show. You love Takeover too, but you love Payback if you're a diehard wrestling fan, not a sports entertainment fan. But um yeah, I thought this was a great show. The Chicago crowd was great too. They weren't overly obnoxious with the CM Punk fan, with the CM Punk chants. Um, Chicago's own hometown hero, of course, the Second City Savior. And I think the biggest difference between this show and the and the March third show from a couple months ago is that people were saying they were going to hijack the show if CM Punk didn't show up, and and of course he didn't. I didn't expect him to personally. I said that a number of times in the past, but I think people genuinely thought CM Punk would show up because it was never really confirmed that he was not going to be there. It was never really confirmed that he wasn't going to be there. And um, there was even a report, if anything, there was a report that led people to believe that he would be there. So a lot of people were like, they got, a lot of people got their hopes up. And I, even I got my hopes up in that final segment of that show. I thought he would come through the crowd and save Daniel Bryan from the Authority, and he didn't, we haven't seen him since. So we haven't seen him since the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. So that being said, though, Um, They weren't overly obnoxious with the CM Punk chant, which was good. And when they did chant for CM Punk, they were met with a nice one-liner from Paul Heyman who said, Oh, I'm sorry. He's at the uh, Blackhawks game at the United Center on the other side of town. He's not here right now. Or something along those lines. I thought that was great. What was even better was Stephanie McMahon saying that uh, people wanted Daniel Bryan to quit, just like CM Punk. That was great. It's an awesome one-liner. Like I said before, Stephanie McMahon is so freaking fantastic in her heel role right now. But um, yeah, that was good. Overall, I really enjoyed the pay-per-view. Regardless of what was better, takeover or payback, go back and watch them both. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're a WWE fan, this is a great week for you. A great couple of days to be a wrestling fan, especially a WWE fan. So go check out both shows in the WWE Network. If you're not already signed up, you're missing out. But um, yeah, I thought it was a great show overall. In terms of best pay-per-view matches, or best pay-per-views of the year so far for WWE, I was just thinking about this earlier today. I would rank it with, one, being WrestleMania 30, it's going to be extremely hard to top that. Two, payback from last night. Three, um, Extreme Rules, which is a very good pay-per-view as well. Four, pay- Royal Rumble and Elimination Chamber weren't much different from one another, The Royal Rumble people just didn't enjoy, if only because Batista won the Rumble, so that put a sour taste in people's mouths. But um, aside from that, I enjoyed that show. So Royal Rumble, I put number four, Elimination Chamber number five. So that's WWE Payback. We only have less than 10 minutes left, so I went a little overboard with my payback, um, overtime with my payback review. But there really wasn't much to analyze from Raw. A lot of it was just a repeat from Payback or whatever else. The two things I will talk about and I want to talk about Opening segment, Evolution comes out. Triple H says, it isn't over with the Shield yet. It's not over by a long shot. He's got a plan. Batista says, no. You didn't give me what I promised. You didn't give me a shot at the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and I demand one right now. Triple H goes, we can't give it to you right now, even if I wanted to, because Daniel Bryan is out with an injury. So I can't give you that right now. So no one's getting anything. And then Randy Orton stayed silent throughout the entire thing. So Batista goes in response, says, okay. And I quit. Raises his hand, does a little queen wave. It was freaking hilarious. I love that. And walks out, and that's it. He was shown on the app um, <coughs> countless times. They replayed that. They replayed the opening segment like five times, and it got to the point where it was like almost unbearable to watch because they uh, they replayed it so many times throughout the show. But um, I thought it was a good segment. Batista, a lot of people figured he would be leaving anyway. And, um, it really, it was confusing because some people were thinking, okay, maybe he's going to be sticking around because he's been advertised for an NXT show I think on the 10th or the 11th or whatever else next week. So people are figuring, okay, he's going to be sticking around after all. And apparently not because he's quit. So that's a good way of writing him off TV for now so he can go promote his movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, and he'll be back for SummerSlam, hopefully. I'm a Batista fan. I'm biased. And I'll get to that, and just keep that in mind when I go on my following rant. And the same rant that I've gone on on Twitter, on this show, and Facebook, everywhere else over the last number of months. But, um, now I'll get to that in a second. But the opening segment was good. We figured he'd be leaving anyway. I don't know. I guess he might still make that commitment that, that commitment to that NXT show, and then he might leave. But here's the thing with Batista's run. He came back in January, run, won the Rumble. A lot of people were pissed, of course. I was pissed. I was disappointed. I wouldn't say I was pissed, because a lot of people wanted Daniel Bryan to win it, myself included. But... And I would not at all, bottom line right here, people, bottom line, Batista's run in WWE, his current stint over the last five months has not, and I repeat, not been a flop. Everything that has happened, and don't say, oh, he only won the Royal Rumble, that was it. That's kayfabe, people. We're not talking about wins and losses and all that bullshit. Look at this. Look at it this way Batista won the Rumble. And everything after that, he put people over. He, not Randy Orton, tapped out. Wasn't even freaking pinned. He tapped out to Daniel Bryan in the main event of WrestleMania. When he very well could have said, Fuck you, I'm not tapping out to Daniel Bryan. I won the Royal Rumble. That's why I came back. I wanted to win the championship. And that was probably the original plan anyway, for him to beat Orton for the championship in the main event event of WrestleMania. And that's not what he got. They gave it to Daniel Bryan instead. So being the good sport that he was... And I still, and it still irks me when people say that he doesn't love the business. He loves wrestling. Go watch his documentary, his book, read his book, the interviews he does. It's pretty obvious that he is in it for the wrestling. He's not back for the money. He did come back to promote his movie a little bit. That's understandable. Rock did the same thing. And just like Rock, he loves the WWE, if not even more than The Rock does. So don't give me that bullshit that he's only here for the money, he didn't put anyone over, he put Daniel Bryan over in the main event of WrestleMania, he put over the Shield, specifically Roman Reigns, on the uh, at Extreme Rules in their matchup there, and then he was the first one to be eliminated on payback in their matchup at the hands of Seth Rollins. So don't give me that bullshit that he didn't put anyone over, and don't, don't give to me that he didn't have any good matches either. Because he had a very good match at WrestleMania, the Triple Threat matchup. He had a series of good matches with Dolph Ziggler over on SmackDown. He had a good match with Sheamus a number of months ago. He had a good match with Seth Rollins, with Roman Reigns. The matches with The Shield. I can go on and on and on. Batista has been, I wouldn't say an over-huge success in WWE since he came back, but... If you're going by wins and losses and saying, okay, he lost every match he's lost, he- he's lost every match he's been involved in since he came back, then wouldn't, for Jericho, why don't you say that every past stint of his in the last number of years has been quote unquote a flop because all Batista did was lose, or all Jericho did was lose? He lost every single match he was involved in for as long as he was in WWE, Chris Jericho, that is. Batista comes back, he puts people. Over He put over The Shield, he put over Sheamus, he put over Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan in the main event of WrestleMania. He's put over a number of people, he's entertaining as a heel, he's a good face, but he made the most of the BS that WWE handed to him. He didn't get what he was promised, and in the app video after Raw, or during Raw, that aired on the WWE app he was saying that he didn't get what he was promised and a part of that was legitimate because Batista was not given what he was promised because when he initially signed the deal to come back to the WWE more than likely he was given he was granted a spot to be the WWE World Heavyweight Champion they're saying okay you're going to come back you're going to win the rumble the people are going to love you and you're going to win the WWE World Heavyweight title from Randy Orton at WrestleMania shit happened plan changed uh, plans changed. Brian was the new favorite, so people booed him. He ran with it. He made a great heel. He had great matches. And his success, his r- most recent WWE run, has been a success, in my opinion. And he will be back. It's not over. Apparently, from when he first came back, it was rumored that he's uh, signed a contract for the next two years. So, um he will be back for SummerSlam, hopefully. And whether he comes back as a face or a heel doesn't really matter. He's out of Evolution for right now. But I loved him in Evolution. Loved him as, on his own. He even did good work before WrestleMania. So don't give me that BS that is run in the WWE. has been a flop since he came back. So that's my rant on Batista quitting. And then there was the entire show of Raw. I'm not going to even bother going down. We don't have enough time anyway, but um, everything else on Raw is pretty much a joke. Um, we had Los Matadores versus 3MB again. Bo Dallas vs. Kingston was fine. Cena vs. Kane was a mediocre matchup. The 2-on-1 Divas matchup, couldn't have cared less for that. Del Rio beating Ziggler, that was a good matchup, but why in the hell would you put, Dolph Ziggler, um, put Del Rio over Dolph Ziggler in the Money in the Bank ladder match? Dolph Ziggler's a crazy bumper. He's had great showings in this matchup in the past. Go back to his matches in 2012. Um, was he in the Money in the Bank match last year? No, he wasn't. But, um, I think he was in a few times in 2010, too, at WrestleMania 26, and then that year at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I think that's what it was. But, um, anyway, Dolph Ziggler, I think, could have made a better fit in this matchup. He's more over. People couldn't care less for Del Rio right now. And him winning this matchup still won't make people care about him, so there's really no point in putting him in this match. But, um, anyway, it was a good matchup, so that was that. Wyatt Family versus The Usos was good. Bray Wyatt took the night off. I thought it was a smart move to, uh, let people take a break from his character. He's a great character, but um, it gave people a little brief break from his character, and he'll be back on SmackDown this week, so no worries. And then we get to the main event. Randy Orton vs. Roman Reigns was announced for the main event of last night's Raw, and S.H.I.E.L.D. makes their entrance, they're standing in the ring, out comes Triple H, Randy Orton, and Evolution sans Batista, since he quit, earlier on in the evening. And I expected Batista to come back out, and he did this a couple months ago when he uh, first came back, when he leaves the arena and then he comes back. Um, I expected him to do something like that and swerve people that he was actually quitting, or I was expecting maybe someone like a Cody Rhodes or a Dolph Ziggler to come down and take his spot in in Evolution and be named as the newest member of Evolution. But um, it did not turn out that way at all. Instead, Triple H and Orton were standing in the middle of the ring and they said... When plan A doesn't go according to plan, when that doesn't go right, we've always got a plan B. And instead, at that very moment, a small smirking moment from the game Triple H makes eye contact with the shield. Just a moment of silence for just a minute or so. And then out of nowhere, with Seth Rollins with both chairs in his hand, smacks a chair over the back of Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. Seth Rollins joining Evolution. Beating the crap out of uh, his S.H.I.E.L.D. members. And as of June 2nd, 2014, the S.H.I.E.L.D. is no more. So my initial reaction to this was very depressing, if only because the S.H.I.E.L.D. has been together for for how long? Maybe 18 months? It's had a hell of a run. They've done tremendous things. Easily one of the best factions, if not the best faction in the last 10 years. Um, Better than Evolution. We'll have to wait for the aftermath. But they've been so freaking great... Over the last 18 months, and it was so sad to see them break up. But at the same time, it made for a hell of a swerve. No one expected Seth Rollins to be the guy to turn on the shield. People were saying Roman Reigns, which I thought would have been a dumb idea because he's the most over as a fan favorite of all these guys. And then comes in Dean Ambrose. Um, who a lot of people thought is a natural heel, myself included, he's a natural heel, and then we'll see him turn heel eventually too at some point, probably at some point in the next few months. And then we get the Shield triple threat match maybe at SummerSlam or whatever else. But um, even still, though, a lot of people expected Dean Ambrose to be the one to turn heel and uh, join Evolution, turn his back on the Shield. A lot of people expected Roman Reigns to fit into that spot. Instead, it ended up being Seth Rollins, so a great swerve. Kudos to WWE for that um, personally, as a fan, I'm pissed that the shield is no more after the tremendous run that they had. But that being said, heels are so hard to hate nowadays that this does a great job in making me personally boo evolution. Um, I personally now have a have, have reason, have incentive to hate evolution because they are now, um, the shield, they have now split up the shield. They have succeeded in what they have set out to do, evolution that is, in splitting up the shield. With Triple H mouthing the words after this whole thing went down, I won. So now Seth Rollins seemingly has joined Evolution. Someone asked me last night on Twitter as to whether Seth Rollins would uh, is a double agent for The Shield as to whether he joined Evolution just to make his way in to destroy the Evolution from within. I don't see it going down that way, to be quite honest with you. I would love to see it happen, but I don't see it happening that way. It would be cool. But um, either way, The Shield is no more. As a fan, I'm personally pissed, but it's a big spot for Seth Rollins. It made for a great angle. People complain all the time about how it was getting too predictable nowadays. Well, you just got your surprise here after the the, uh, ending of Undertaker Streak at WrestleMania. Now we have Seth Rollins in Evolution, and it made for a hell of a hook for next week's show. After a rather mediocre episode of Monday Night Raw, nothing else on this show would have... um, giving people an incentive to tune into next week's episode, this right here did. It made people want to tune in next week to see what happens with the S.H.I.E.L.D., with Evolution. Is Seth Rollins really with the group? Is the S.H.I.E.L.D. really over? Are they finally going their separate ways? But either way, I'm looking forward to next week seeing what they do. Going into Money in the Bank, especially going into SummerSlam, which is always awesome anyway. But, um... A great way to go off Raw, really enjoyed that. Everything else in the show was not all that good, so if you missed the show, don't bother going back and watching it. The only thing really worth watching was the opening segment with Batista quitting and then Seth Rollins joining Evolution later on the night. So overall, didn't really care for the show, but I am intrigued as to what they will do with The Shield and Evolution going forward. That goes without saying, but um, as to whether this is the WWE's big summer angle, as we've been known to expect in recent years, in 2009 it was the... uh, it was the purchasing of Raw by Donald Trump and Vince McMahon in 2010. It was the New Nexus invading the WWE 2011. Punk's pipe bomb and him leaving the WWE 2012. CM Punk turning heel in 2013. The whole Authority slash CM Punk Brock Lesnar storyline. And we had a great summer last year, and I'm hoping um, that it kind of set the standard for this year's summer. And I'm not really sure it's gonna. We're gonna have to wait and see. And um, hopefully last year's summer was too. Hopefully not too good to the point. Where it will, this year's summer will pale in comparison. We'll have to wait and see. But nevertheless, I am excited to, for what will come in the WWE going forward. So, all that being said, thanks for watching, guys. Thanks for listening. Always appreciated. Make sure to go back and listen to all past episodes of WrestleRant Radio right here on the site, com. A full review of Raw for more thoughts on the show, payback, impact, takeover, everything. On the website, so make sure to go check that out. New episodes of WrestleRant Radio up every single Tuesday. If you want to keep in contact, tweet me on Twitter at WrestleRant. Make sure to follow me there. Find me on Facebook at Graham GSM Matthews. YouTube, same thing, and Bleacher Report, same thing. Always appreciate you guys listening. We'll be right back here next week with another new episode of WrestleRant Radio. Once again, thanks for listening. Always appreciated, and I'll see you next week, guys. This is GSM signing out.